My name is Dan. Welcome to Christers. If you're new and at this time in the service, I'd like to invite you to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Let's lift up our minds together and think about the gospel, consider it, the challenges and the grace over our lives. I'm so excited to be able to contribute to our study through the book of Genesis. And today I'm going to conclude the story of Noah. And in in other words, I'm going to put a bow on it, a rainbow. (laughs) Dad. (laughs) Okay, Uh, please turn to the ninth chapter of Genesis. And all I really want to do today, this is inside my heart, is to encourage your faith, um, to just give you some space to evaluate where you're at, what you're putting your faith in, um, because your faith is forming, it is developing. You as a family or, or you as an individual, you have faith in something. And what is it? And, and what's taking shape in your life? There's, there's a lot of things we can have faith in. In our world, there's a lot of things asking for your trust, your support, your leader, or your allegiance, your loyalty. And I just want to just take time as a community to evaluate that and to think, what is my faith in? Where am I at? Uh, do I trust in the Lord anymore? Or has it been a while since I really gave uh, my God control over my life and, and to give vision for me and what I'm going to be doing And I do this knowing that the most annoying and frustrating conversations I've ever had in my life is when somebody says, you need to have more faith. You know, my realtor is saying to us, you know, I shared that with you last time. Every time we didn't get a house, he'd say, I got great news for you. God's got something better for you. You just got to believe. You know, I'm always like, dude, that is great. And I believe you should be raptured now. That's my belief. Uh, Okay, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, and I, I get it. Like, the, sometimes it does feel like the last thing we need is, is just to think about our faith. But we live in such a time where, where our world is just sort of tired of Christians who don't have faith, who have faith in the same broken things as them. And so I just want to encourage you to, to look to our leader, our author and perfecter, and to think, how can I put my faith even more in Jesus today? So now for my favorite part, the reading of God's word. If you'd stand with me for reading of Genesis 9, starting at verse 8. Genesis 9 and verse 8. You can see my wife's flipping there. I'm just going to wait one second. It's a sword drill. <laughs> It's right at the beginning. It's kind of hard to get to. Whatever, I'll just. In the sword drill is when everybody stands, and we all stood, okay, so we're ready. All right, all right. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. With every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, wild animals, and those who came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. 
I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and a rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all of life. Whenever the rainbow appears, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures of every kind on earth. Then God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all of the life on earth. Amen. My friends and I are big fans of Rich Mullins, and uh, he's a great singer-songwriter. We're passing around this lyric this week. I can see the covenant colors. The sun and rain have woven against the blue of the sky. And I know if, if we live, we will live by his promise. I know he who made it, and I'm sure that he would not lie. Oh, boy. There's towels if we need towels. So as you survey chapter 9 and the end of the story of Noah, there's a phrase that keeps coming up that's just on my heart to point out, is um, be fruitful, increase, multiply upon the earth. This happens, uh, you know, at the end of chapter 8 and then woven throughout of chapter 9. And I was reading that, and I was thinking, you know, there, there, uh, there is a literal reading of that phrase in Hebrew that's, just have a big family. I want you to have a big family. But as the, if you survey the Bible, the Old Testament usage of this phrase, it also has a figurative uh, message as well, which is um, that the people of God would increase and multiply as the people of God. It's not necessarily like that God is just so into just a big family, like a big group of people here. Great. It's also that God wants this type of person, this group of people who are honoring him with their faith and with their life, like trusting and obeying in him. I want you to increase. And, and as I say that, I just want you to know my heart is the same for us and for this church, that your faith wouldn't be something that is getting smaller and smaller over the years, but something that is increasing and multiplying in your family, in your workplace, in your community greater and greater throughout this world so that people who have faith in God are not necessarily the minority, but just spreading out in an overwhelming way around this world. This, I think, is God's heart, that the people who trust in his kingdom, who live by the ethics of his kingdom, have faith in him, are increasing and multiplying. And that's my prayer for you. So as we talk about faith, I think a great place to start is asking, what do I mean by faith? There's three different angles that I just sort of want to explore with you today. And for, so for the first one, what is faith? It has to be something, okay? When we start step one of faith, it has to be something that you're hoping for that, that's not necessarily there. You're believing for something in the future or believing for something you do not quite have yet. What does Hebrews 11 say? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of that which we do not see. There's an element to it of something that is it's yet to be uh, like manifest, yet to be established. It's not the, op it's not like faith is like blind trust that I, of something I don't know and I'm not sure what's gonna happen. It's being told something or being reve something revealed to you and, and, and not yet seeing it. The opposite of faith is sight. 
And so this is something I want to prepare you for as people of faith, that there's going to be an element of it that you're having to pursue that is not yet there yet. Secondly, there's an element of faith that is going to take time. You know, whenever you hear something like, oh, I, uh, I, 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 I see this woman, I, she's a woman of faith, or I see this man, and what a great man of faith. Usually, that's not referencing someone who did one thing one time, uh, you know, like showed faith one time. And it's somebody whose life, cumulatively speaking, is somebody that over time consistently has been somebody committed to being a person of faith. Someone who's committed to having their lifestyle and their family's lifestyle start to be formed into something that represents their faith. Decisions that are made specifically over your life. Faith can take time to develop. And furthermore, the last thing that I want to make very clear is that as a Christian, when we talk about faith, there's something specific and unique about it. It's not just we're, you know, people who just think about faith. This is how you can bring something into your life or become a better person. When we're Christians talking about faith, it is because we are believing in the promises of Jesus over our life, believing in his message of the gospel uh, over us and over this world. And we have faith in Jesus and that's what we're building upon. That is the thing that's always kind of coming more and more into focus in our lives. So as we talk about faith, I want to look at these three things and I want to ask you, like, how's it going? Where's your faith being in and in? Has it been a while since you felt like your faith was in, God, in God's promises? And my prayer is for anybody here today who maybe has felt like it's been a while, like there, there once was a fire and, and it's just kind of calming down, that maybe today would be a day where you look back and say, the Holy Spirit's going to blow on that ember, bring something back to life, bring something uh, into a flame again. It's not going to be just about you. It's going to be about the people that are around you. It's going to be about your story. And let me tell you, when we talk about faith, this is going to be the interesting parts of your life, okay? It's not like you wake up one day, you're like, today's a big story for me. It's another Tuesday, and I knew exactly what to do. And, uh, you know, I went through my day and did it. That's not, okay, that's not that interesting. But tell me, the story, your story of faith and you're like, I woke up today, I had something on my heart, I knew I had to do it, I have no idea how this is going to work out. I'm not 100% sure, I'm just, I just, I got to make this decision out of faith. Now we're talking. Now this is going to be the thing that kind of we can, we can look back on. And as I look at the story of Noah, all of these things are present. So, when we think about Noah and we think about the ending... As the story of Noah ends, you could kind of scan, scan ahead and see uh, the rest of the chapter is what I would call a crash landing. Noah gets drunk. He blames his sons for it, right? They have a big drama. Kind of crazy, right? Like Noah never says one word this whole entire story until cursed. <laughs> like that's, his first, that's his first word, you know? And, and, and this can be kind of alarming for some, but let me just start by saying just a brief aside. There is no ancient text like the Hebrew scriptures 
where the people who are actually elevated and, and, and who are uh, promoted as heroes are also shown as flawed people as well. It just never happens. It's just not, you know, it's not the way that you do like trickery or propagation or whatever. Like you, you really want to make your hero seem like a hero. But from Adam and Eve all the way to King David, there are these specific times where the narrative slows down and it says, no, they're people too. Lest we start to think, I could never be like that guy. This is a grace. This is a gracious thing for us to see. Actually, this person is just like you. Just like all of us, flawed, makes bad decisions at times, but also his story primarily is a story where he showed faith and obedience to God. I was struck by uh, just Hebrews 11 this week where you have a brief mention of Noah, but it says, by, by faith, Noah built that ark. So let's talk about faith. First thing that I'd like to, to circle back to is developing something that doesn't exist or that nobody can see. Or as Paul would put it, we walk by faith, not by sight. When we see Noah appear um, into this story as talking to God in, in chapter 6, God says, as I have surveyed the, the land, I have seen nothing but evil and corruption for all mankind, and I'm going to bring judgment on that. Uh, Neil gave a great, like a master class last week on that theme. But then he looks at Noah and says, Noah, I'd like for you to build an ark for you and your family. And, you know, it kind of after that, if you keep reading on, so it seems like God is micromanaging the project. It's like, okay, you know, are you getting a little too specific here about all of this stuff? And, and I had this thought this week that God, micromanaging, micromanaging isn't always a bad thing. I've had uh, a lot of different jobs in my day. I mean, Scott, Scott Noel one time, was, uh, he called me on the phone and he said, hey, could you help, uh, or, or help me find someone who could work at Starbucks? And I'm like, I could work at Starbucks. That's what, how hard could it be, right? And, and I, I tell you, they let me make coffee drinks exactly one time. Because, you know, you think, well, how hard could it be, right? You walk in, and it's like all kinds of people and pressure, and it's fast pay, And you got to hear stuff you never thought you'd hear in your life. Italian words, like, we, you, know, you know, vente, triple shot, upside down, caramel macchiato, light on the phone. Make sure it's nice and, and light. And then, and then you're just like, sure, I'll try and make this, you know. And it's like... I need to be micromanaged in this situation because my interpretation of what this drink is doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, it's just me figuring it out. Like, that's not, that's, that's not good. You need to know, like, what it is that you're being called to, right? If, if God says to Noah, build this ark, and Noah responds, as a farmer, what's an ark? I like his willingness doesn't necessarily make that happen, right? He needs to be shown, okay, it's about this size, right? And make sure it's waterproof and there's rooms for everybody. But the door over here, make, this is how you, you do it. And then set him off to do it. There's going to be times in your life where you are having this conversation with the Lord and the Lord's like putting something on your heart and you're like, I'm willing and I can see it taking shape or whatever, but like, I, I'm gonna need you to help me do this because I've never seen this done before. And you need to be ready for that. 
there's a lot of times, it doesn't have to be necessarily a boat that you're building to kind of look like this. God's going to call us to be faithful in this way and to build an ark. It could be the way that your family is run is something that you feel called to and you're like, I don't know, I've never seen it done like this before, but I'm pretty sure you're, you're wanting to do that. It could be the way that you're interacting with people at work or the way that you see the kingdom of heaven coming from within you in your context and going, I've been called to build this ark and I am going to, I am going to do this and take steps forwards in that. When I look around this room, I see a ton of people who are doing this. It blows me away when I just look around and, and even like last week, just seeing Neil, just say, we've never seen it done before, having a place in Oxford that once was religious, but then went, went secular and came back. It's never happened before, but we believed it. Kevin and Marcy were here this morning, right? And they, they're, they're being called, build an ark, go to Africa. My mom... In 2007, we had some uh, people my age, there were three people who OD'd on drugs uh, within a matter of a month or two. And she was driving down the road. She saw these old road commission buildings that were kind of abandoned, kind of for sale, uh, you know, where they used to would park the salt trucks and all that. And she saw, she saw a youth activity center like the Three Mile Project, like a skate park and uh, basketball courts and stuff for people to do coffee shop venue. Um, nobody else saw that. <laughs> she got a call to build an ark that day. Let me tell you something. There, there, the other people who don't see it aren't going to see it until you do it. If you're waiting for validation from everybody else to be able to see it, it's probably not going to happen. And you need to be ready for that. And you need to know that people around you, not only are they not going to necessarily see it, but they'll probably be somewhat antagonistic uh, or at least flip, flippant with you about it. I never heard of that. That sounds like a great idea, Neil, or whatever. You know, that seems like something. I don't know. I mean, how many times do you think that Noah felt that or heard that from people that were walking by? What are you even doing? We don't need this. This is a waste of resources. This is not something that can actually work. And as you interact with this pushback and this tension in your life, just remember, Jesus had the same thing happen to him. Remember Mark chapter 8? They finally admit, yes, you're the Messiah. He's like, yeah, but the type of Messiah that I'm going to be is one that dies on crosses. And they're like, no, 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 no. We've never seen that. We've never heard of that. That's not, that's not going to happen. But he had faith and he had the fortitude to go on ahead and do what God was calling him to do or what he was calling himself to do. And, and this, could, this is also going to be a part of your walk of faith as well. They're not going to be able to see it until you do it. But you know, they definitely will see it when that rain starts falling. I mean, when the, rain, when the water came, they got it, right? They understood and as you live your life of faith as well, you never know what that's going to do to inspire people going forwards. People will see it. As you do it, they're, they're not going to see something you never do. But as it does happen, there will be people that see that and are inspired by that. You never know what kind of impact that's going to bring. Um, for example, there's one other story in the Old Testament where the word for ark is used. I'm not talking about the Ark of the Covenant. It's a different word. 
In Hebrew, this is the word teva. This is the word for Noah's ark. Noah, go build an ark, teva. It's this Hebrew woman. They had been fruitful and multiplied in this city, and they were under oppression. And the king of this city decided to reduce the population of the Hebrew children by taking away the male children. And this woman took reeds, wove together, put tar on either side of it, made a ba- and she put her son inside of what the text reads, a teva. She put it in the Nile. And she, in her faith, this is an action of her faith. I don't know how many people were like, what are you doing? That is that, there's crocodiles in there or whatever. Like, don't, what are you doing? And she's like, I know that this is what I need to do. But also, she received that encouragement and inspiration from the teva of the history of her people, right? And through this action, Moses made it all the way to, uh, you know, the, the palace. And, 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 of course, Moses has completely changed the entire world, right? I mean, that's not even an overstatement. What might happen if you continue to take steps towards doing the thing that God has called you out to do in faith? Keep going. I see so much, so much of it happen in this church and in our community, and I'm so excited to see things continue to be built and continue to be done in obedience to the call that you have over your life. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. But you know what? Sometimes faith takes time. It takes time to develop. It takes time. When you look at this story of Noah, it's like over the course of a long period of time. Right, when he first start, uh, has kids, it's like 500 years old, right? And then it says that he, when he was 601, that's when the water receded. And people try and sort of speculate, like, how long did this story take? How long did it take him to build this boat, you know? And it doesn't necessarily say exactly seven days or one day. It seems like it's over the course of, like, years and years. Some people say 50 years might, it might have taken him to build this. And I, year 37, right? Like he was still there. Like I'm doing it today. I don't know how, how long this is going to take. And I don't know, but I'm doing it. And, it. and that I find as an encouragement and a challenge at the same time. Because we live in the time, uh, an era that's just obsessed with time. We have elevated so much of our life uh, in our hearts and minds. Productivity. Um, e- efficiency. And instant gratification. These are things that sometimes if we were to really look under the hood, it's like this is what we worship. This is what dictates our lifestyle. This is what dictates uh, our uh, decisions. I mean, am I the only one that's felt like this? God's calling me to do something or putting something on my heart. And like the first thought I have is, that sounds great. The second thought I have is, wish I had thought of that like 10 years ago or wish that that would have been a part of it. You know, like that, I, I'm just, it's too, too far gone. I, I don't have time to do that. If we're not careful, we can let conventional wisdom or the culture that we live in right now dictate how we live out our faith. And we can trade the rock of ages or the, the I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end for like a time card and like a clock or a calendar. These things are not your God. If you worship time God, 
Time God is gonna start telling you to do things that are corrosive to your faith, that start to erode your love and relationship with the Lord. What's time God telling you? You only live once. You don't have forever. Time God tells us things when we know, like we know the right thing to do, but we can start to feel influenced by how much time it's gonna take. I mean, uh, we know God doesn't want us to act like we're married until we're married. He doesn't want us to do things that married people do until we're married, but that's gonna take too long. Why wait? We don't have time. Let's, this is now. Time is now. I, I, I would never advocate for somebody to, you know, stay in like an abusive situation or something that where you feel like you're not safe. Boundaries are very good. Take care of yourself. But I just know that there's a lot of marriages right now. In our culture, and heaven forbid, like in our specific context, where there's things being said like, I've waited long enough. It's taking too long for this person to change. It's taking too long for this to, uh, to, to fig- figure it out. And so I'm just done. I'm just asking, is, is that voice coming from the right place? We need to be discerning and we need to ask ourselves, is it just the fact that I have become inundated with time and myself and my life and, and the length of my life? Like, is this the decisions that God would say are, are, are decisions of faith, obeying him and honoring him? We're about to go in the holiday season. Am I making too many examples out of it? If I, okay, just tune it out. If, if we're going to the, hospital, uh, the holidays, you've got family, you've got pe- all kinds of what I call sore, t- sore teeth, right? Don't know that it's a nerve pain until it's touched, right? You go to your family and there's all kinds of ways where we can say like despair in our hearts, this is never gonna change. They're not, this t- they're t- take it too long to apologize. They're never going to apologize. We're never going to have reconciliation. We're not, it's never going to happen. This is what faith looks like as we interact with time, God. I don't care if it takes the rest of my life. Today is a day that I can honor God. He has given me the ministry of reconciliation and a message of forgiveness. That's what the reconciliation is. It's forgiveness of sins between us and God and between us and one another. The wall of hostility has been brought down. And so today, I'm going to try and find a way to step out in faith and say, that's what I believe. It's shaping how I talk to people. It's shaping my hope and how I believe this relationship is going to turn out or not. Don't let the fact that it might be true that it takes the next 30 years for you to figure it out stop you from being able to do something today. Because on year 41 for Noah, he had to choose that day, I am going to have faith and be faithful to the call that's been put on my life. This is where faith meets faithfulness. And it's it's up to us to encourage each other in this and to support one another and to say, keep going. Keep going. You can do it. Because the power of the resurrection is within you and the kingdom of heaven is within you and you have somebody, an advocate working within you to to work uh, the fruit of the spirit and don't trade that for what time God would bring in the fruit of the flesh into your life. Until the day comes when the Lord says, well done, good and faithful. 
Some things are just going to take time. The last thing I'd like to uh, wander around with you is the uh, covenant in the rainbow. You'll have to forgive me for saying this, but it sort of sounds like the opposite of what I would do, uh, ending this story like this, right? God says, okay, after all this has been done, I just want you to know I'm never going to do that again. And I, I don't know if it's just a projection of me with little kids right now, but fear works, you guys. It's like... <laughs> Um, what that I were to be God in this situation, I'd be like, hey, I did that flood thing once. I wasn't bluffing. I will do the flood thing again, okay? Like, you need to act right, you know? And it's like, how, I mean, how is this the end of this story where, where God says, like, dude, I don't want you to bake this into our relationship as, like, the primary reason why you're obeying me. Because when we walk by faith and we have faith growing in our life, our faith is built, don't forget this, on the promises of God. God doesn't want your fear more than he wants your faith. It's not God's will or desire for you to be in this place where you're just afraid of him, therefore you obey. He wants you to obey because you love him and you see that his promises for you are something that you believe this is true and I am going to act like that this is true. God ends this story by saying, I'm promising peace between us and I, 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 this is my heart, this is what I want. Don't think that, that I'm gonna hold this over your head henceforth. Just, just keep doing what you're doing, Noah. And we'll re rebuild this together. He chooses the sign of a rainbow, which in the ancient world is a sign of war. If you um, can imagine in the ancient world, anything that sort of vaguely represents a, a weapon, <laughs> right, can be fair game for uh, some sort of uh, symbol or, or, or recognition of favor in, in war. And he takes that sign and he turns it into a sign of peace. This is the same God, right? Yesterday, today, and forever, who would also take something like a cross and turn it into a sign of peace. I mean, think about it. It did it, I mean, it took years for followers of Jesus to admit this and acknowledge this, right? The cross wasn't something they were easily able to identify with. It was a fish at first. It took like 15 years or something before Paul said, all right, I'm just gonna say it. I have been crucified with Christ. And the cross becomes the symbol, the, the, the central symbol of our faith. One of shame, it used to be shame, persecution, war, uh, oppression is now a sign that says I, uh, it is a promise for you and for me from God. Where Jesus said, I did this for you. I made, I made peace between you and me and I made peace between us, between you and your brother. I promised you that. It is a promise from Jesus that your sins have been forgiven. It is a promise that you are welcomed into the family of God. It's a promise that you belong at his table, that you belong a part of this kingdom, that you are able to be here because of the cross. So 
Every time you see the cross, every time you see the rainbow, just remember the promises of God are something that we are building our lifestyles, our habits, our beliefs around. Let that form you. Let that take shape in your next decision or the decisions that are coming in the next year that you say, God, you promised me this, and so I'm going to start acting like that this is true for me. That's how your faith is going to grow, increase, and multiply in this world. So for those of you who are being called to build an ark, for those of you who are discouraged because it's taken too long, and for those of you who maybe have taken your eyes off of the, the promises of God, I just want to encourage you today to be a man or a woman of faith. So I'd like to invite you at this time to just stand with me and pray. We can pray through all of this stuff together. And if one or two of you would like to take uh, communion, uh, we have set that out today as another symbol, yet again, that we might put inside of our bodies, right, the truth of a promise where Jesus again says, this is my covenant to you, my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. You are welcome to do that as well. But I also just have a heart today to just encourage anybody who feel like you feel a little bit closer to um, uh, this despair side of things or, or feel like your faith has been, you know, just lost or hurting. And I just want to encourage you right now to, well, this is going to be a big ask. Maybe raise a hand and maybe just say, hey. I could use some prayer today. Nothing big. I'm not, hey, no big life stories need to be shared or anything that invasive. I just want you to know, every single person that comes here, you might have a need right now for your community to pray for you. And every single person here has a right to be able to ask for it. You belong here. And if you came, maybe nobody, but if you came today and you're like, you know what I need is I need some encouragement in my faith because I have some decisions I got to make or because I've had a pattern of this or that in my life. If that's you, then just let the people around you know, I'm not looking, but let the people around you know I could use some prayer and they will in their hearts just extend a hand towards you and pray for you, so feel free. Truly I tell you, if anybody has a faith the size of a mustard seed, they should say to the mountain that stands before them, cast thyself into the sea and it will be done. Is that still true, Jesus? Well, why would you tell us that? Can we still just believe, teach us about the mustard seed? The little glimmer of faith that's flickering like a flickering light inside of us right now is that still enough for you to move there are mountains standing between husband and wife right now in this room there are mountains standing between father and son but are you still in the business of turning hearts towards one another again friends and family who might be in our estimation too far gone do we have faith we have faith that you can reach him your arm is not too short
Jesus, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with our futures. We trust you with our families and our children. And you know what's on our heart. You know everybody here right now what's on their heart. And so we just lift our hearts up to you. So we trust you with it. This is our faith. In your name we pray. Amen.